Happy Friday to those of you who are tuning in. That was some love and war from the Smooth Jazz All-Stars. Don't y'all just love a smooth R&B instrumental? I know I do. <laughs> happy Friday, everyone. If you are tuning in from Oakland, happy Friday to you as well. As I like to call it, Friday, because it's always an amazing Friday. Who actually works on Friday? I know I don't. <laughs> I surely don't. But some of you may, and if that's the case, hopefully you've had your breakfast this morning and you're enjoying your day and that your week has been amazing. Today, super excited about the guest that we're going to be speaking with. He has been a thought leader in the blockchain space for years. But before I introduce our amazing guest and dive deep with him on this podcast, I want to show love to Dinesh, who's tuning in. My homie, Taban Cosmos, co-founder and a good friend of our guest today, actually. And Maureen, shout out to Miss Maureen. Thank you for tuning in. Serena Wallace, hey, happy Friday. What's up, Serena? And Latasha Ireland, hey, Latasha. So happy to have you here with us today. You know, Mr. Joe is the founder and the chief executive officer, as well as chairman of Dragon Chain. He's worked in the software space for over 20 years now, focusing on security and the scalability of software. In addition, he's been a startup entrepreneur for years now, since the mid-1990s, actually. And his latest, his latest movement and venture is called Dragon Chain. And if you haven't heard of heard of it, heard of it yet, you're gonna hear about it now. He's one of the leading voices in the block space, in the blockchain technology space, and he's led and contributed to, to projects, technologies, and really thought leadership in this space since 2010. So he's a pioneer of the innovation that we're seeing across blockchain and to a degree, the cryptocurrency revolution. If you don't know what that is, you're gonna learn a little bit today about what it is. He's worked with companies such as Overstock, Coinbase, Symbiont. I think I pronounced that right. He's probably gonna let me know if I didn't. And as I think you know, you, everyone knows this company, the Walt Disney Company, which is one of the biggest companies, media companies in the world. With that said, super excited to have Joe on today because we're gonna dive deep a little bit about blockchain you know, the movement that Dragon Chain has been leading this space for a few years now, and also where he sees the, the industry going and how a lot of what's happening in social media around tokenization, security, and people wanting more access to the control of their data. How does that apply to the future of work and fundamentally how we're going to interact with technology in the future? So super excited about today's episode because we're talking to one of the brilliant minds in the space. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to throw them our way. It's going to be an engaging conversation. And, you know, if you got the kids watching or they're tuning in, let them ask some questions as well. All right. With that said, Joe, welcome to the show, man. So kind, Tim. That was very <laughs> kind words. Thank you. It's an honor to have you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Pretty good. It's, uh, it's, a, decent, it's a Friday, right? It's a decent thing. <laughs> uh, I do work on Friday, um, but it's still, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, the last day of the last last work day before the weekend work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, you don't work too hard on a Friday. You know? We shouldn't be working too hard on Friday. It's just a different kind of work, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. Joe, would love for you to share a little bit about you know kind of your background right before becoming the chairman and CEO of one of the top blockchain companies and just tech companies in the world right now. You know, how did you even get here? Were you always passionate about the work you do in technology? Yes, and it was it's uh, something that. Um, I think a lot of people at first thought that was uh, boring. You know, I, I was just excited about software by itself. Just it's so amazing because you can you can create anything, 
right? And and you know, uh, you think about it uh, uh, before the internet even. I mean, I I still I, I loved writing stuff um, in software, even you know for little devices and things like that. And it just kind of blew up where I, I realized, oh my gosh, we can do this and this and this and this. And um, I you know I was living in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, I, it was at first, I, I couldn't even find work, um, doing, uh, anything in software. You know, everyone was telling mm -hmm. me, oh, you know, don't, don't go into software. There are no jobs there, literally. Um, and, and that was in the, uh, you know, late eighties, early nineties. And, um, I ended up, uh, you know, opening a print shop, you know, I was in a band, you know, we, we did some pretty interesting, cool but... things, but I was always trying to, you know, I was using, um, using what I knew about software and computers to, to do things that no one had done, uh, even then. Um, and, you know, gradually I was able to, you know, find, find, uh, productive work and, uh, and, and actually do some interesting things. And I just got so, uh, uh deep into, uh, what you could do and how to make it easier and how to basically, you know, how, 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 how it works and and why it works and and um uh you know I, I ended up becoming you know a software architect which is basically uh you know trying to fit the pieces together in the most efficient secure or scalable way right in a, in a way that that uh, you know a company or a startup or or whoever is needing the software to do what it what it does um, it becomes an, an afterthought. They don't have, they don't have to think about the software. It just does what they need. Right. Um, and I, I loved, loved doing that. And, uh, you know, over time it's been over 25 years. So, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of time put into it, but, um, some things now are really easy for me, um, in that, in that world, but at the same time, I don't get to code anymore. Right. I don't get to actually write the software. So, um, that's the thing I miss, I guess. Right. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you kind of you get to you get to lead those who do code, and you know, yeah. you know, Devon told me that you know he's seen you sometimes. You you get deep in the weeds when you're really, really excited, and, and yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's, and that's where it is. I, there are there are a lot of people um, that that do what I do, but that aren't coders, and I think mm. they they end up missing a lot because, you know, to actually uh, create, to actually build uh, a system. You know, to be an architect, you, you, in my opinion, need to know how to build the, you know, individual pieces, right? Um, you know, th there's some really interesting uh, philosophy around it, but uh, um, that's, that's what it's all about. The fact that, okay, I, you know, I could solve this problem at least a dozen ways, right? Because mm. in the real world, if you have one, one solution, one path to victory, you'll never make it because something is going to get in your way. You're going to end up with, you know, hurdles. You're going to end up with, uh, you know, some walls there. And that was always my thing. And that's why whenever I got, uh, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, a senior uh, software person, I ended up really seeking out the most, you know, challenging uh, problems. You know, what, you know, what, what's out there that I could really, you know, uh, try to attack and, and uh, you know, solve something that's unsolvable and that's mm. what led me you know to blockchain so 
Yeah. So, you know, you've been in this place, in this space for quite some time. I mean, all, almost back to the early 2000s, you know, and people are still learning what blockchain and even what the crypto world is about. You know, how was it for you in the early days of this space, kind of convincing people that this was going to be game breaking technology? And also, can you share a little bit about how you define blockchain and crypto for those who are listening and aren't really yeah. familiar? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was hard. I mean, people thought a lot of us were crazy, you know, but I would tell, you know, I would even tell my neighbors, you know, we got I'd, I'd talk to them and say, hey, uh, you really should pay attention to this, you know, you should buy some, right? It's, it's, uh, you know, it's two bucks, it's four bucks. And uh, they kind of listen to me. And then they, you know, they come when it, when it hits the news. And they're like, Joe, why didn't you tell us? And, and uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, that I told you. Um, and it wasn't even about speculation for me. It was, in fact, I was stupid. I, I bought some at $2, but I did not buy anything near what I should have, right? I mm. just, I was buying them, uh, Bitcoin in particular, I was buying them um, uh, mostly to to learn, you know, to, to figure out, okay, what can we do with these? How can we build stuff? How can we use these? And um, I had my whole team, you know, we were all doing anything we could with them we would have to mine them we would have to buy them we would have we'd play poker with them um just to you know get a handle on how it actually works because uh it is quite a you know it's it's very much software everything that's in there is something that all of us in the software world had already done but it was a, an entirely different pattern of, of yeah. putting the software together and you know so over time you know, it took quite a while. Uh, uh, over time, it was something that I had to um, pick out how to communicate with people, in particular uh, with business people, mm. of, you know, what can be done with this technology. Because everybody sees the, you know, Bitcoin and the fact that, you know, I can buy some and it's a speculative investment potentially. Um, and there is, you know, some aspect of, you know, uh, you know currency payments and uh, other financial technology involved but we really um my team and i really uh drilled deep into it and uh in particular when i was at disney it, that's when i really was able to experiment with how do we communicate this how do we describe mm. this to people in a way that they can uh realize how they can use it you know so different uh you know business units different divisions of the company um and you know, what I came to was the fact that it's really all about time um, wow. because you're, you're talking about um, and we won't get into the, you know, the depths of the, the tech, but you're talking about using a particular um, technology that allows you to apply energy to solving a, a little, you know, puzzle, a little uh, software riddle, right, which is relatively simple and yet it allows you to make it extremely hard for machines to do this. So, so what you have then is uh, you have a block, and inside of that block, you know, you have a start time and an end time. And mm. inside of that block, you have a whole bunch of transactions or data, right? And what we're doing is with this uh, with this energy applied, <clears throat> we are making it uh, extremely difficult. To go back in time and change data right so yeah. you know in a normal software system i could just change a, a, a database entry but with this although it is it is possible it would be 
radically expensive. It, and potentially it's, you know, it's, uh, when I say it's possible, it's not necessarily possible to anyone on Earth. You know, if you had alien tech or uh, yeah. infinite power, you could you could do it, of course. But it's it's one of these <laughs> things where uh, it it's something that you can. And what we've done is uh, applied uh, a uh, how I want to say we we extrapolate from that energy applied uh, a dollar value, so that mm. we can tell you if you put a transaction up, like say on Dragon Chain today, if you go to Eternal Report and you go, um, you know, post a tweet. It'll save the tweet. So even if the person deletes it, it's there, right? So if yeah. it's a politician or it's a celebrity and they, they put out something embarrassing, go save it, right? Because it'll be newsworthy. Um, and the great thing is that uh, in that report uh, over time, it applies about $8 million a day, um, about $250 million a month, um, wow. about $3 billion a year approximately uh, of energy to every single transaction. So it's it's a measure that you know even even a very large uh, uh, company or or nation couldn't actually change that data and and so yeah. it's that's what blockchain is all about and and uh, you know dragon chain our our whole goal is to uh, <clears throat> make it possible for people to to use it for companies to adopt it you know by mm. solving the privacy issue solving the scalability issue so. Yeah. You know, so how, how was it for you in the early days, you know, going back to my earlier question, convincing people of this, you know, because you're incredibly articulate about it. But, you know, what was some of the pessimism that you're up against when you're pitching the company and even your founder journey? Um, gosh, well, uh, uh, for 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 Dragon Chain, it was, you know, when you think about it, we actually started inside of Disney. So it was originally mm -hmm. the Disney private blockchain platform, and it was very much a... Um, an angle uh, that, that we, you know, we took the angle that it was, you know, it was research for one, but it was also, let's see what we can do. Let's provide a platform that's actually usable and scalable so that any system inside the company could use it when they needed um, basically what we now call decentralized proof, right? Where, you know, I need to prove that someone accepted terms. I need to, to prove that uh, someone gave me the proper identity, uh, you know, because a regulator might come in and, and ask me. Um, or I need uh, I need to verify their identity before I let them make this purchase, right? That type of thing. Um, and it turned out that there we, we ended up uh, making uh, two courses, one of which was very business-focused, and one of which was very technical focused. And we, we did that on purpose, um, but everything was focused not on use cases to say, oh, you can use it for payments or you can use it for uh, this or that. It was all about the core capabilities and you know, as, as atomic, as small as we could uh, define them so that these other businesses, you know, and they're other uh, software developers. They are, uh, they're, you know, business people, uh, directors of, of uh, business units could come to us. And they, this is the crazy thing. They would always come to us and say, this might be crazy, but I think mm -hmm. I could do this. Right. And every, every single time they said that it was spot on. They were like, yes, that's exactly what you should be doing with it. Um, and it was brilliant because it was usually an idea or a problem that they wanted mm -hmm. to solve that they, would have never considered uh, could be solved with this technology. So it was all about um, going for the core meanings instead of 
you know, some uh, predefined use cases. Um, and that, that ended up leading a lot, but, but our, our biggest difficulties were with the outside world um, and the, uh, the uh, regular press that has, especially back then, you were thinking around between 2014 and 2016 at Disney that the press around Bitcoin was hit or miss. Sometimes it was very negative, sometimes it was positive. And um, it scared a lot of people. There was yeah, a lot was of uh, yeah, misinformation. Yep. Yeah. And so, and we had to basically describe, okay, well, that's a different thing than what we're talking about. I mean, that is, there are, you know, Bitcoin has never been hacked um, ever. The, the, the issue though, is that the people using Bitcoin, including people in powerful places like at exchanges or, or, um, uh, you know, larger companies have sometimes, uh, integrated, uh, with mistakes that, you know, this is software that happens in it, in, in this, the interesting thing is that, and you could look at this a couple different ways. Um, uh, I, you know, I mentioned time as being the core feature, you know, the proof that something happened at a particular time, which, you yeah. know, you think about a picture. If you have a picture that you want later to prove that I really took that at this time, um, that's an important use case. Um, but there are also uh, ones on incentives, and that yeah. is because you are tapping into um, real value and you're basically creating provable scarcity, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even, you know, you, you know, if you have gold that it's extremely scarce on earth, right? We yeah. don't know, you know, someone could bring, if you know anything about um, uh, history of the, uh, the Spanish and the new world and bringing the galleons back uh, to, to uh, Europe, that gold prices crashed because they had never had such a huge uh, flood of gold into the market. And the interesting thing about Bitcoin is that any one of us can independently know nearly the precise amount that would be produced every month, right? Or every, at least every year, um, which is radical. And it's because it's software, right? So it's basically what you're doing is with, uh, with blockchain and Bitcoin, uh, and cryptocurrency, you are basically um, creating uh, uh, value uh, mm-hmm. with software. It, it's basically encapsulated value. And the other angle of it, the other bit, because you can prove um, uh, that something happened at a particular time, and because you can actually prove a decentralized uh, piece of data. That is, you have a copy of the data, I have a copy of the data. How do we know that we both have the right copy of the data? That we can both prove it to anybody who asks, right? That I can prove to you, even if I've been disconnected from the network, I can prove this really is the right right data. And, you know, in Bitcoin, the data means that it's a coin, so it's worth something. But on other systems, it can mean that this contract was in this state when we all signed it, right? Or that this picture really does show me at that location at that time. And what that means is that it's, in essence, it's um, encapsulated liberty, right? Which is the way, that's that's probably the, the key driving component that really made it so different than everything else that was before it because all of a sudden, you know, it was very clear even to, you know, to Satoshi that these things 
have a very definite effect on liberty. I mean, money itself is part of that, right? That's yeah. why that's the first use case and, you know, the most uh, obvious and powerful one because money's powerful. But Yeah, and then, uh, you know, other use cases is being able to validate, you know, supply chain, you know, where do things come from, where do they go through, where they received by the right person, and then even beyond that, you know, after someone receives it, how do we how do we dispose of it? Which is something that we were uh, Taban and I were actually having a conversation with one of our guide advisors the other day. Uh, that's another great use case: to authenticate, you know, supply chain movement and um, mm -hmm. verification. And that's because people want more transparency and visibility into the things that they use, how they're being moved, um, and fundamentally where they're going. Um, and it's so powerful that you really break it down in such a simple way. You need to write a book, Joe. I think because you're one of the, you're one of the uh, few people who can really explain it in a very very, very, very simple way. You know, with that said, I want to ask you, because one of the things I'm always really interested about is the convergence, convergence of different technologies. Um, and right now, I think we're, we're living the convergence, convergence era of um, multiple technologies. So AI, blockchain, um, and, and others. You know, where do you see, or what are some of the use cases um, or areas you see blockchain converging with the other technologies? And what, what excites you about that future? Um. I, I, I see it very much as an enabler. It is a, uh, a central feature potentially because you can have multiple AI systems, yet, you know, even if you go back to the 90s, you, ha you had this. You have multiple systems that compete, and it's a good thing, you know, whether they're websites, whether they are, you know, some particular utility uh, in the business world. And yet they had no central way to... Um, to integrate and if it if there was an integration it would come with a standards uh, board and it would be a very slow process and um, it would have no uh, connected value right you would have value on the outside so I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for this so oh, this one over here is open source how does it monetize there are a whole bunch of problems like that in the software and business world and what blockchain can do um, and I do think it will uh, do quite a bit of is providing uh, a value system with competition for all of these entities. And, you know, even if it is, um, you know, a better way uh, to simplify standards. And, and it's mm -hmm. odd because a lot of the people, uh, well, a lot of the companies we compete with um, will go straight towards the old world system, even in the blockchain era, that they will say, we want all the companies in industry X, whatever that is, Mm. Uh, to come together, you know, they're competitors. So they have they have these um, opposing um, drives that you know I, I I'm I'm okay. I'll join up because I can't be left behind. But they're all going to play games, and this is what all standards bodies do. You look at any standards body, it's nothing but gaming by all of the big industry um, uh, giants. That they basically okay, we'll we'll offer this. We'll all agree to this standard, but we're going to basically throw something in there, either a poison pill, or 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 leave something out that only we will have, right? And so it's it never really, in my opinion, works too well. There have been, of course, successes, but it's very very expensive. Um, and you think about it, how does a startup compete with that? And you know, and what we need in the world is more startups. We need more individuals building things that will become big, and um, it's really hard. It's a it's a very rare thing for uh, some of these smaller entities to actually uh, make it because it's so difficult. And our take on it is that 
you don't need a standard. I mean, you, you, you can, obviously, but that, you know, if you have a, um, a differentiator, if you have some feature that beats the big guys, you basically throw it on a blockchain, monetize it, put some value behind it, put some proof behind it. And, you know, whether it's, in some cases, decentralization is important. In some cases, only decentralization of the proof is important. In some cases, um, it is the transparency that's important. I need to be able to expose this to my customers and my vendors and my employees, right? Um, that you can do all of that without a standard. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing because uh, some of the systems that we've seen built uh, roll out so fast that I mean you, you know it would blow you it blow your mind it blows yeah. my mind seeing it because I I know in the software world even the traditional software world things take a long time to build right I mean yeah. it's it takes quite a bit to get uh, uh, the the process itself to work then to get the user interface to work then to debug everything because you're gonna find oh we didn't think about that you know we have to you know yeah. there's tons of that and with with blockchain you get a, a lot of things rolled in where um you know provided you're on the right platform um <laughs> you, get, you know that uh that you know you get proof whether you need it or not and that's that's some of what we kind of push that with a lot of our um like say regulation tech reg tech where mm -hmm. let's say you're doing something that if you don't do it right you're going to get a huge fine or you're going to get a lawsuit right so mm -hmm. you so you want to follow this stuff and if you if you codify it into software into um you know what, what are smart contracts on a blockchain mm. it's a very interesting thing because we tend to um uh, to try to get the uh, the implementers of these systems to record very mundane data because if you're looking at something you know you might say okay here here's the truth but the problem is you could fake that. You could just always say, "Yeah, this is uh, you know green check mark." I'm just going to put a transaction mark that I got a green check mark, and when I show somebody, see, I got a green check mark. But if it's an arbitrary thing and there's no backing, it doesn't really give you proof. And so what we like to see is, uh, and this is a little bit sorry if this is a little boring, but it's if we like to see a lot of mundane data, things that people at the time don't think um, that these that these things are important. But when you roll forward, uh, you know, three months or a year, and you realize, oh, that thing that was created is now worth a significant amount of money, or, uh, or we're getting sued over something that happened uh, a year ago, that not only can you pull the data, but you can pull the data in a way that even the uh, your uh, your opponent, you know, the, whoever is suing you has to trust it i mean there's yeah. you know there's no way that i could lie to you here is the actual data here's the state of the system when you're when your um client did this and you know we can show what we did and the we can show that uh, it was evaluated properly so you know and that 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 applies to privacy issues it applies mm. to um you know terms and conditions um anything else that you might have and you know in some places you know in europe you have gdpr for privacy yeah. In California, you know, you have CCPA. There are rules. You know, you have to follow these rules when you're holding people's data. So, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things you you, you mentioned that you're really interested in is tokenization in relation to kind of the, the conversation around social media right now. And yes. you know, who owns the data? Um, do users do or do entities? You know, we'd love to have you share a little bit more of your thoughts on that. But before we dive deep on that, 
Want to show love to Carrie, who's saying hi, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well, Carrie. Jesse, who's showing me some love. Tim, these sessions are so valuable for so many people. Thank you for having the courage to show what you, to share what you know, share your network and your powerful energy. Thanks so much, Jesse. I need you as like an, an, an alarm, <laughs> a positive energy every morning when I wake up and do these. Appreciate you so much, Jesse. Thank you for always tuning in and supporting the work that we do. Shout out to Mr. Andrej. I, I think I would butcher your last name, but I'll say Miljevic. Miljevic. Great session. Blockchain rocks. Thank you. Blockchain indeed rocks. And we're talking to one of the rock stars in this space right now. So so with that said, Joe, yeah, we'd love for you to, you know, once again, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, currently the the, the conversation around social media, who wants the data, where tokenization can help. And also we'd love for you to even further that conversation with how do you see um, the work that you do being applied in the future of work conversation? Um, right. And now that we're in the midst of a decentralized workforce. Yes. Okay. Okay. So on on social media, um, you know, most of us uh, have experienced or have seen uh, some of the bad things that have happened. You know, and and sometimes it's from people, from users. Sometimes it's from the companies. And the fact that they are centralized giants, um, and they have you know various political leanings, and they then they apply AI on top of that, and it gets it gets a pretty obnoxious um, and people don't own their data. I mean, you look at the Facebook terms of service, uh, you know, they own everything you put in there. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at their, their history, where they came from, it's even, it's, it's mind blowing that, that people use it. So yeah. we, we saw in, and particularly because if you've, if you followed anything in crypto, you, uh, you realize that it's extreme, at least right now, it's extremely tribal that the various projects um, really love their projects, which is a beautiful thing. But the problem is that they sometimes hate the other projects or they will go and attack the other projects and play games and, and do things that aren't, in my opinion, helpful, right? Um, right. You know, we, we stay away from that because philosophically, uh, you know, we're all about interop. We're all about, you know, that other project. Uh, we might not, we might have a customer next month that needs that, right? So we want to be able right. to integrate with them and, and uh, leverage the good that they've built, right? And that's, that's the important part. Um, but we would see in Telegram, in Twitter, um, Facebook, that we'd have uh, really interesting um, trolls come in and they would, you know, they would attack uh, us and we'd always try to like, we'll try to answer them, but then we realize, oh, it's, it's this coordinated thing. It's really weird. Um, so at one point I mentioned, I think we need a, you know, a crypto aware, uh, forum, you know, somewhere where wow. we can, we can do this. And so that kind of kicked off and we pulled in some old tech that we had and we, um, we, we, we put it all on chain and we started experimenting and then we started modeling stuff. And it's interesting because, you know, and we're, and we're about to launch DIN. I mean, it's, it's out there, it's in beta. Um, but in this coming month, all the tokens will be rolled out, um, wow. all of the value. And, and the point is, you know, you think about it, there are lots of ways to do this. And there are lots of competitors, and some of them have some really great features. Um, and we watch that. But, you know, we're trying to basically uh, uh, do a number of things for with one end goal, right? And so the number of things, it's we want to incentivize someone to create good content. You know, so for you mm -hmm. to come in and write, whether it's a reply that just happens to be extremely funny or whether it's um, you know a post that uh, gives new information to the world, um, we want that to be rewarded, 
okay? Now, some of the issues with how do you decide which ones are the best, right? We didn't want it to be AI. Um, that that's, ends up being tuned by its, its creator. Um, we wanted it to be a marketplace. And so, you know, we broke the system up into layers, which are, um, if you're ever on Reddit, um, I feel sorry for you, but if you're ever on Reddit, um, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know, everything is broken into subreddits. So it's individual communities with their own cultures, right? And, you know, some of them are big, some of them are tiny. Um, and we took that model and we said inside of each of those communities, the community um, uh, itself is the marketplace that decides, okay, from, for our community and our culture, this post is remarkable and this one is horrible, right? And we saw that even some of the things that people do in some of the bigger Reddit communities, we modeled into the tokens where we oh. actually reward the community members for predicting which content is good and bad, right? And so basically, if you are the earliest person to say this is a you know rock star post, it's going to go huge, and mm. you you basically predict with uh, a large amount of energy on that post, you will get a large amount of uh, mind matter at the end of the day. And so you're re rewarding both the content creator as evaluated by the content evaluators, which we're also rewarding. And um, then the layers themselves are tokenized. So if you have a particular hobby that you love or some interest that, uh, you know, even if it's uh, with a brand, you know, or, uh, you know, a, a celebrity that you can actually own a piece of that layer. And that piece of that layer uh, also minds matter. So I'm going to get a proportion based upon all the activity. So it becomes a very interesting marketplace uh, of content and the end goal the single goal that we're that we're that we're going for is to basically have the best content soonest right that's yeah. the whole point of it so that a normal user who doesn't care about any of the uh, sausage making of the, all these marketplaces i don't care about voting i don't care about writing i just want the best content about this subject right and yeah. that's what the the end goal is, um, and we have a lot of interesting little features um, to uh, to basically flip the ads model on its head. That uh, we don't think that ads are necessary, or um, or even you know obviously they're not wanted. Um, yeah. That if you can instead reward the the participants in this economy. Instead of this, uh, you know, because you think about it, an ad system is just siphoning off. You're still putting up the content that hopefully draws the eyeballs that will hopefully click on the ad. And, mm -hmm. and we're basically drawing that whole piece out and saying, no, you just want the eyeballs and you want the evaluation. And that's what gets you paid. You don't need to siphon off. It's a you know very inefficient way mm -hmm. to uh, to draw value from your content on your on your site. So. It's a very philosophical approach, but it, yeah, no, that's um, amazing, and it's a scalable be... approach too. Yes, yeah, it's completely scalable. Yes. Yeah. You know, think, thanks so much, Joe, for for joining us and really diving deep with us. You know, what would be your number one takeaway for some of our audience members and people who are tuning in for if they really want to start getting deep into this space? Ah, wow. Um, read, ask a lot of questions, uh, seek out. Uh, seek out groups. I know we had a, uh, 
I don't know right now. Go to Dragon Chain Gang. gang. <laughs> yes, yeah. Go go to you know follow us on Twitter for Dragon Chain Gang. Follow me, Jojo Row. There's some humor, but a lot of uh, philosophical stuff, particularly about blockchain. Um, and you know, ask questions. Uh, we used to have a, a blockchain meetup that was, um, what would you say? It was uh, non-denominational blockchain meetup, basically, <laughs> right? And it was it was something where um, anybody could come in. Uh, if they're interested in mining or interested in investing or interested in building a business or they were a developer, they could come in and they could ask questions. And then they then over time, they end up answering questions. And mm. it was uh, for a time, you know, I think we have 3000 something members there now. And it uh, but it's local, you know, and we're think, think about making it, um, uh, you know, making uh, doing the doing live streams or something. But we're trying to figure that out. But but that that was really uh, if you can find that, uh, and it's probably hard to find, especially now with all the lockdowns, but um, <laughs> because you could, you know, that's what you need. You need to be able to ask questions that that um, that make sense to you, right? Because if you go out there in the tech press, you're going to see a lot of bad info, in my opinion, and disinfo, uh, purposely bad info sometimes. Um, yeah. That will, uh, what we've seen is a lot of times it closes down the discussion. It basically makes it so that... Um, people don't understand what is possible right yeah. um that a lot more minded. yeah yeah and and it's because it's hard a lot of the stuff's hard and a lot of the platforms were created by people who are crypto people so it's they aren't necessarily um someone who knows how to build scalable systems or anything like mm -hmm. that but um you know that's our one of our biggest goals is to try to communicate what is possible right yeah. um so yeah, come come to visit. Uh, we have Telegram groups too. Uh, we have uh, come to Den. Um, you can ask any question you want in any of these forums, and you know someone will answer you. Usually, usually I'll I'll be in the mix. So, so if you're listening to that guy community and you're you're in tune with what Joe is saying, definitely join their movement. There's more than enough community around uh, online or even offline for you to, to be a part of. Joe, thanks so much for being on the show, man. It's super inspiring the work that you're doing. And thank you for continuing to lead the movement. By the way, when are you going to drop the book? Because I think you need to have a much life in general. <laughs> Gosh, maybe maybe when I'm uh, when I'm old, white haired, and and retired, right? Because I don't know that I would ever have time to do anything like that. Unless, oh, right. uh, if, I, if I get a ghostwriter, maybe. <laughs> hey, find that it's never too soon or too late to write that book, Joe. Very good, very good. Uh, thanks, right. thanks for having me. This was awesome. Uh, thank you, Joe. Hopefully, we can have you maybe sometime next year when you all release new features or whatever it is. Please, please, please. We'd love to have you back on the show, man. Anytime. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate thank you, man. Have a good rest of the day. <laughs> and that was the amazing Joe, CEO and chairman of Dragon Chain. Check him out on LinkedIn. It's Joe Rotes. I think I'm spelling that right. Joe Rotes or Roets. But you can spell it J-O-E-R-O-E-T-S. Wasn't that awesome? It's just as awesome as Big Black Tea or Loose Leaf Harmony Green Tea. Man, it's been amazing, the reaction and the amazing movement that we're just building around the tea in itself on top of our guy community. So if you haven't gotten Big Black Tea, check it out. BigBlackTea.com, BigBlackTea.com. We are getting ready to ship a few of the tea bags that have been pre-ordered. So we're super excited about that. And we really want you to, you know, get some tea, get a cup of tea in your life. It's already election cycle. I know you're probably already stressed out and there's nothing like a warm cup of tea to really heal the soul, meditate you 
And more importantly, give you a chance to just reflect on what's going on in your life and where you're trying to go in, in this all election hype. With that said, if you haven't checked out guideapp.co, check out guideapp.co if you want to be a part of the early beta for our movement. Check out guideapp.co. And more importantly, sign up. Be an early access. Be an early adopter. Be part of the early movement because we're just getting started. Every day is day one here at Guide. And then more importantly, you know, if you're interested in being on a future episode of UnleashingTheFutureOfWork.com, please, please, please slash guideline B2B jam session. Please, please, please check out UTFOW.com. I'll say that again, UTFOW.com, UTFOW.com. If you want to be on a future episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session. I mean, we've had all-stars such as Arlen Hamilton, Joe on. I mean, I'm on every day as the host. It's a huge movement. You know, we would be super grateful to have you on. As always, our platform is your platform. And to a degree, towards the end of November, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break, November, December, because it's, it's, it's winding down to the holidays. But Season two, or probably I think we're on season three now. I actually have to go check and check our uh, our backlog. But season, the next season is coming early January. This has been amazing. 2020, we went deep. COVID-19 allowed us to really, really scale out the, the backlog of guests that we've had on the show. And we're super excited to really start doing this again, even with more consistency next year. So ne- definitely make sure you continue to stay tuned in to our podcast, to the live streams. And follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, always showing love to our amazing guests. And we'll try to see how we can spice some things up for the next season. If you have any ideas, reach out to me, definitely. And don't forget, BigBlackTea.com. BigBlackTea.com. Harmony is pretty good. I'm actually drinking some right now. All right, y'all. I'm going to cap you all off to a slow jam, literally a slow jam. It's called Twisted by Smooth Jazz All-Stars. Check it out.